Young Devin is not yet a household name. However, many in hip-hop think that that may change in the not-so-distant future. Devin was born in Brooklyn, New York, to Trinidadian parents. She is the latest product, contributing to a long lineage of prolific wordsmiths from the tri-state area, born into the West Indian American culture. Any perceived similarities with other MCs, however, end there. At the age of eight, Devin performed at her first paid gig, interestingly enough, as a soca artist. This in itself is not uncommon for a child interested in performing. What is uncommon is that the show took place at a nightclub and she performed at 2 a.m. She was smitten. The rush of adrenaline that she felt that night excited her, and she knew that the stage was where she belonged. Subsequent performances with Marshall Montano in Trinidad, Six Flags Theme Park in New Jersey, and tours all prepared her for a life in the entertainment industry. Until her teenage years, Devin was known as the young soca sensation that was well-loved by fans of the genre. And then Devin shocked the world. She started to release hip-hop freestyles and songs. No one knew she could rap. And very well, might I add, Devin would, in short order, become one of the internet's favorite MCs. The industry took notice, too. Young Devin's words and delivery allowed her to perform on MTV, then Sway in the Morning, then the Cypher at the BET Awards, then the Essence Festival, then... You get the point. Having not even departed her teen years, young Devin ushers in a new generation of Caribbean swagger to the hip-hop scene. With a new single and a new project in the works, young Devin has only just begun. This is the story, thus far, of young Devin. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. One of the hottest new rappers on the hip-hop scene, Young Devin. Welcome to Planet 30. Thank you for having me. All right, all right. We have not seen each other in forever. In forever, in like two years. No, like a year. Almost two. Uh, about two years, about two years. Yeah. And so much has happened since then. Yes, so much has happened. Oh, man. But let's take it back a little bit. You're Brooklyn-born to Trinidadian parents. How did you, when you were growing up, how did you balance both cultures, the American culture and the Trinity culture? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I, I was born in, in New York, but my mom and my dad, they always were, like, heavily invested in the culture, so I always used to go back and forth from Trinidad and New York growing up, so it was never, like, I could escape it, even if I wanted to. <laughs> so, and you, and you got involved in the music of Trinidad from the beginning. So yeah, I did. Did you like soca from the start, or was this something just... Yeah, I always grew up listening to soca music. Like, that was always a thing. I just never thought that I would ever do music. Like, that was... I never, like, as a little girl, used to be like, I want to do music when I grow up. It was just really an accident. But, yeah, I always used to listen to soca. Nice. And you eventually ended up in soca as an artist. Tell uh -huh. us about your, uh, your, your... The beginning of that whole experience. Yeah, well, I did a talent show in my elementary school in, like, the fifth grade. And, like, 
they had like the best performance of the night. They posted it on Facebook and it kind of went viral. It was like viral before viral viral was really a thing. And then people was calling to my school because they thought I was like a guest performer. They didn't know I was an actual student at the school. And so they was calling my principal, like requesting me to perform at like these other kids' birthday parties and stuff. And my principal used to be like, he's not even an artist. Like he was just doing it for a talent show. And then one day my mom's my mom's friend, um, he's a host of a radio show. And he found out that I was performing and he seen the video and he literally pulled me out of my mom's car and put me on the radio and made me sing. And then from there, people started calling in like, who is this little girl? And I started booking shows and then I just started doing music. Interesting. So even even though you were surrounded by all this hip hop in, in the, one of the meccas of hip hop, really, Brooklyn. Yeah. You, you ended up singing Soka. I ended up singing Soka, yeah. I mean... We all know Brooklyn is the, is that other island in the Caribbean anyway, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that, that other Caribbean country. Anywhere you go for carnival, Brooklyn is always there. Exactly, exactly. You have an interesting story. Tell us about your first uh, paid gig in a club. My first paid gig in a club. Okay, so I was eight, and <laughs> it was crazy. My, my call time was at like 2.30 a.m. That was the time that they wanted me to perform. And I remember I went there, they put me in like this little dressing room and then I went out and I performed and like, it was super crazy. It was lit. And then I, they had to rush me out the club afterwards. Cause I mean, the club could have really lost their whole license and everything. Cause they had like an eight year old in the club, but it was fun. It was fun. That was the first time I ever got paid for a show. And I was just like, wow, well I could do this. I'm, I'm making a little money off of these shows. And at the time, it wasn't really nothing. But to an eight-year-old, that was something. So that was a good, that was a good experience. I mean, you <laughs> you ended up on stage in an adult club at 2 a.m. In a club. I won't, yeah, ask, I won't ask the name of the club. Or where, which territory? Was this in the United States? Yeah, it was in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And, it was, and you were singing soca, obviously. Yeah. So after that, you ended up on stage with... The king himself. Tell us about that uh-huh. experience. Yeah, Marshall. So um, that was in like, let's say I started singing that summer, the June, the September I met him. And he didn't even know who I was. I, <laughs> I didn't even know who he was like in the face. I just always heard his name. And then um, I met him in his dressing room. And I was like, I'm going to perform with you. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and he really let me perform with him and we just became super close after that like we always had a close bond people used to think that I was his daughter for a while because he used to always bring me out on stage every time he would see me so yeah I basically I just pressed him and I was like yeah I'm gonna perform with you and he let me perform one of the, your your huge performances was at the infamous Mashal Monday what was that like I mean yeah that was crazy tens of thousands that of people that wasn't even that wasn't even planned either we got there late and then I was just watching him perform and then I asked somebody I was like how much people is out there right now and then he was like uh I think counting is like 30,000 people and I was like I want to perform right now and so when he came on the side of the stage I told him I pulled him to the side I said I want to perform with you again and then he was like okay and then five minutes later he started playing my song and I walked out on stage and I performed and I ended up on the news the next day the newspapers in Trinidad it was crazy I mean, you just didn't perform. You shut it down. Yeah, that was that was a crazy experience. <laughs> that clip is on YouTube as well, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where did you get that confidence from at that age? 
I don't even know because I'm naturally a shy person. So, but when I do music, like it's like a, a switch. So I don't know. It's just, I don't know. When something is really meant for you, like no matter what you are or no matter what it is, like nothing can really stop it. So I don't know. I just be walking out on stage and I feel like I turn into a completely different person. Like I don't be scared or not, none of the sort. Like I've never gotten nervous for a show or anything like that before. Super Devin. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you realize that you were at least Caribbean famous? Um, I knew I was Caribbean famous when I went to the school to perform because they had this thing in Trinidad Carnival, for Trinidad Carnival called a school tour. And I went to the school and the kids broke down the gate and started chasing me. Oh. And that was like the first crazy fan experience I had. And then I think like when I really knew that something was going on, because it's like, okay, I knew Trinidad is going to know who I am because that's where I'm from. That's where I always was performing. So I knew Trinidad was going to be good. But it's when I went to Anguilla and I seen the response out there, like the kids breaking down the dressing room door. They chasing me. The people having to call the police. I think it was there. That one was a crazy experience for me. That made me realize, like, okay, so it's not just Trinidad. Like other islands really are fans of me. Like I really have fans in all these different places. So that's when I knew I was like Caribbean famous. Right, because you, I think around that time you had the video on Tempo. Welcome exactly. to exactly the, the video. Everybody, all the kids knew the song. I feel like that song, the islands. That's like if you're from the Caribbean and you grew up in the Caribbean, I feel like that's like a classic song. Like every every Caribbean kid of my generation, they know that song. Mm-hmm, indeed, which is really crazy. Indeed, because you know the Caribbean. Every once in a while, Soka puts out. Like a kid performer. Yeah, and there wasn't really a kid performer in Soka until I came I came on the scene. Like, the last kid was my show. So that was like a 30-year gap of no kid. So to hear me, to see the videos and stuff, that just became like a classic anthem for, like, the Caribbean kids at the time. Right. Actually, it was Marshall and um, Natasha Wilson. I think they came yeah, up together. Yeah, Natasha Wilson, too. Mm-hmm. And then there was a girl called Charlene Budrum, but... It, it, you're right. There, there are wide gaps before another kid comes out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. I don't really think no kid really did what what I was able to accomplish in such a short amount of time. Right. Just, like, the touring, the, the people that I met, the places that I performed at, like, the selling out shows overseas. Like, I don't think that's ever happened before in Soka for kids. So that's a, that's a blessing to know that I, I was able to accomplish all of that so young. Tell, so tell us, where have you performed? Oh my gosh, everywhere, everywhere. The only places that I really want to perform that I haven't touched is Canada and like like Europe. But besides that, everywhere, everywhere in the U.S., everywhere in the Caribbean. Um, there's one place I want to perform, though, is Jamaica. I haven't gone to Jamaica yet. Ah, okay, okay. It's coming. Don't worry, it's coming. It is. <laughs> now, why the transition from soca to hip-hop? Because up to 2016, you had like a buzzing... Um, Soka video in the middle of Brooklyn uh-huh. Carnival. I remember that video. Uh-huh. Yeah, find me. Yeah, um, it wasn't really a it wasn't really a transition like a decision that was made because it's funny. Just as how I never planned on doing music, I never even planned on rapping. That probably was like the farthest thing from my head. Like I used to laugh at that, not laugh at rappers, but just laugh at the concept of me rapping. Like I never would have thought that that's what I would have done. Um, I was just watching a Nicki Minaj documentary. And I just got inspired because, you know, it's like we both was at the same starting place. Just seeing her being a Trini girl from New York, just having dreams of making it big. And just to see how far she got, it just motivated me. So I just started rapping like 
um, just doing it as something, just like a secret skill. Like I didn't, I was rapping for like six, seven months. And I never even told anybody. It was just like a, a skill and just a hobby that I was doing. And then one day I put out a, a video on my Instagram. And my fans was like, wow, like what's this? And I started putting out videos every Friday of me rapping, but I still wasn't taking it serious because I was doing soca. And then one of my videos went viral. I still wasn't taking it serious after that. And then when I went viral the second time, like when Taraji posted me, that's when I was like, okay, maybe this is something that I should take a little bit more serious. This may be a, a difficult question, but which do you prefer? <laughs> Soka oh, or hip hop? <laughs> oh my gosh, you're gonna get me in trouble. I don't know, because they both, they, they're two, to me, they're two different genres. Well, for me, like, I don't know. Soka, I just love the melodies and things like that but with hip-hop and rapping it's like i feel like i'm able to tell my story more so i don't know i can't really choose between the two mm -hmm. you sort of had the opportunity to combine well not necessarily just soca but caribbean flavor last year when you were pulled to do the zessa remix yeah <laughs> how was that experience that that, that look the video looked like fun it was fun. Basically, um, Trinidad goes. He had. He had. I didn't even know what Zessa was at the time. I didn't even know what it was at the time. Um, he had just. I seen. I heard about it. I heard about the song. Everybody in Trinidad was like, "There's this song that's bubbling called Zessa." I'm like, "What's a Zessa?" And then, um, I was with my manager one day, and she was telling me who the boy was. So I went on his Instagram, and I seen that he was following me. So I followed him back. And then he DM'd me and he was like, yo, I would love to get you on a remix. And at first, I'm not going to lie, I was like, nah, like, I don't know. Because I thought the song, I, I thought it was a joke. I didn't know it was an actual song. I thought it was just like, you know, like Caribbean people, how they be having their little jokes. And then I seen the video and I'm like, oh, this song is lit. Mm -hmm. And then I was the like, beat. yeah, I would do the remix. And I did the remix and it went crazy too. And killed it, might I add. Yeah, everybody <laughs> loves that remix. Yeah, I mean, and then uh, Trinidad James was in there as well. Yeah, Trinidad James was on it too. That was just, that was dope. Awesome, awesome. How did your experience in Soka prepare you for the world of hip-hop? Um, I just think it gave me, it gave me all the, it, it gave me everything that I needed in a sense of like, just understanding the aspect of the, the music industry and the game, you know, all of the patience, just everything that I needed. It's like, with rapping, it's not like I had to start from ground zero because I already understood what it's like to be in the business. I understood what it takes to be an artist. And so it's just, it was just a different genre, but it's the same thing. It's just, I'm not going to lie, hip hop and rapping, I guess because it's more mainstream, it is more hard work than just soca. Like before, it was like when I did soca, I would just have to do shows on the weekend and I could just live a normal life on the weekdays. But now it's like 24 7, seven days a week. It's meetings, it's projects, it's all different types of stuff that I'm doing now. So it's definitely a little bit more busier, but it's not nothing that I haven't experienced before, so. Mm -hmm. But you were in high school, because you just left high school, yes? Yeah, I graduated last year. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. How did you balance high school, social life, performance, all of that? It was good. And as I got older, it started getting harder, because that's when I started rapping. And like I said, rapping, it takes more time and attention because you know soca is more like a seasonal genre rapping is like all year round 24 7 you got to be on top of your game so i started focusing a lot more on on the music than school 
And then, so it got really hard for me, but I still was able to balance it. I still was able to make the best of it. And, you know, thankfully I graduated on time. Of course, of course. Your writing ability has always been insane. Who, who, Thank you. Who influences your writing? Um, Nobody necessarily. When I first started rapping, though, um, like Nicki Minaj, she kind of influenced me in a sense of like the punchlines and bars. And then I took like the hunger and the cadence from Meek and like the storytelling from Meek. And I kind of put that in a boiling pot. And that's how I got my my sound or my identity with rapping. But nowadays, now that I've really come into my own artistry and I know what I want to talk about, I know what I want to sound like, I just talk about my everyday life, like the things that I go through, I just speak on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are there other uh, forms of art that, that influence you, like, you know, like books or films or poetry, essays, anything like that? I watch a lot of videos. I like to watch a lot of visual stuff, but not really, not books. The only thing I do, though, I read, and it might sound weird, but I be reading the dictionary a lot because okay. I don't curse in my raps. I be feeling like I be having to, like, expand my vocabulary more to be able to say things that hit the same as if I was cursing. So I do I do read a lot of dictionaries and just I try to learn as much new words as possible. And you, so you touched on something very important just now. You actually don't curse in your raps. Was yeah. that a conscious decision, and, and or why that decision? Because you know most most rappers say, "Well, this is how I express myself." Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't a conscious decision at first. I just when I was rapping, I just never used to put curses in my raps, and then oh, it you just were became a, a <laughs> and then it became an actual thing because people started calling it out and noticing that I wasn't cursing in my raps, and it was like a plus. And then it just became like a, a little mystique about me, so I kind of like it now, you know, because it's like that's what people expect from me. So it's kind of like a part of just building that image and that identity of young Devin. Like, you know, everybody, every artist has something that's really distinct about them. So I think that people really appreciate the fact that I don't curse. And like I said, it just pushes my pen as a lyricist because it makes me have to, you know, figure out ways to be more clever and say things that hit 10 times harder. So I like it like that. It gives me a challenge. Will Smith didn't curse for a very long time. Uh-huh. And I think LL Cool J may have. I have. To, I'll have to correct myself on that if it's incorrect. But I think LL Cool J attempted an entire album without curses as well, without uh-huh. curse words. So very, very interesting. Since we last uh, saw each other a couple years ago, things blew up on your social media. Yeah. Tara- How did Taraji P Henson find you? Um, from what I heard, her cousin had seen a video of mine. And she sent it to Taraji, and Taraji, I guess she fell in love with it. And I literally was on my way to school, and my mom had just dropped me off from school. And I was on my phone, and when I looked at my phone, my notification was blowing up. And then my mom called me, and she was screaming on the phone. And I didn't know why she was screaming. I thought somebody had died. And she was like, Taraji posted you. And when I went on her page, I was there. So that was going crazy. I think my Instagram shot up like 10,000 in like that hour. And then like of 20 minutes later, she posted another video of mine. And then she went on my Instagram and she was commenting on my stuff and just showing me a bunch of love. And I really appreciated that. And I think I got like 30,000 followers overnight. Have you so spo- that was a crazy experience. 30,000 overnight? Yeah. Wow. I went from like 5,000 to 30. Wow. Yeah. Have you spoken to her or met her? No, I never met her, just spoken to her. And she's just always given me, like, 
encouraging words. She just basically was just telling me, like, you're a star. The game needs you. Like, continue to do what you're doing. And I just always kept that. I always kept that. Nice. Always good to have that that sort of backup. It is. <laughs> but then you uh, put out the remix of, um, or your remix of Nicki Minaj's Chun-Li and Barbie Tings. Mm-hmm. And she pretty much co-signed you she endorsed you yeah she had she liked she liked that video and then um months later when she had dropped i think it was like a year she dropped the megatron challenge i wasn't gonna do that challenge my fans forced me to do the challenge and i did the challenge and she posted it and was showing me a bunch of love and then months later again i had to the interview and i was speaking about her and she reposted that and was showing me a bunch of love so yeah nikki she's always showed me love every time she's seen me or came across me like it's always been nothing but love. And one day, one day, you never know, one day. That, yeah, no, one day we're going to do a song. Definitely. I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that would be dope. And then something major happened, Devin. You ended up on MTV. Yeah, that was crazy. That was the first time I ever met Sway. He was the host of um, TRL. Yes. I was on TRL. And then I did a rap. And I just, he was... He was like, yo, you should come up to my show. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to come up to your show. But I don't really be taking what industry people say too serious because I know the industry, like, they just say things for the moment but don't really mean it. And Sway really kept his word. And that's why, like, he will forever, I don't care how big I get, if Sway calls me and needs something from me, like, I will forever be indebted to Sway. Like, he's anytime I've asked him, he's always given me his platform. And so I went on Sway in the morning after the MTV thing. Huge platform. And that was, that was crazy, too, because... Um, I didn't even know when the MTV thing was coming out and I literally, I woke up and I was getting dressed and I was re getting ready for school and I went on MTV and I just seen me rapping and I told my aunts and everybody in my house was screaming and stuff and that was just really crazy. But then I went on Sway in the morning and then that video went viral. Um, and it's just every time I've ever linked up with Sway, my videos go viral. And um, I think that is what led to me doing the BT Awards a couple of months later. Right, you did the uh, the cipher. Yeah. By and large, most people said Devin had the dopest sixteen. Yeah, that's what everybody was saying. Yeah, I heard so. You know, I mean, I don't know. I try to keep it real humble. I don't. All those people that was in the cipher with me, like they all did a good job. Um, but yeah, I had a fun time with that. The crazy part about that cipher is that I had a whole rap written for that cipher and then the day when we was recording it I forgot the rap and so that was really a freestyle like literally a freestyle because it just I don't know if I, I don't know I just my brain just went blank and I just had to I had to show up and do something so I couldn't embarrass myself that was the biggest platform of my career thus far I think personally for me or at least for my rap career thus far so I had to just do something and you know God was on my side that day I guess you just spit it now so you guys did did you know what the beat was before or no yeah they gave us the beat so that we was able to write to it but it's just when I got there in front of the camera it's just like my brain went blank but I just told myself like I couldn't just do nothing I had to say something so I I just said what came to my brain and where did you start to cultivate the uh your ability to freestyle because a lot of people have to do writtens you go yeah. off top um, I still I still write raps. Like I, I definitely do still write raps. Nowadays though, I've been getting more comfortable with freestyling. Um, like in the studio when I make songs. But um I just think that when you constantly push your pen, your brain it's like muscle memory. Like your brain is gonna naturally just start being able to do it. 
like I think because I was writing so much I used to write every single day so it's like when your brain is constantly you you know working itself like that and being a muscle it's gonna start to you know come easier and that's kind of how it happened for me Hmm. now the source magazine a couple of years ago asked the question is this the next queen of, queen of hip-hop? hip-hop yeah that was crazy when I read that headline I was like wow the source how do you um, how do you deal with that type of pressure? I don't know. I don't really try to. I don't really try to think about think about that too much. I just really and truly, I just stay in my lane and I mind my business. Like I just I make music. I you know I make my fans happy, and that's it. I don't really be trying to think about like any titles or who's the best or this that and the third. I feel like once I think about that, then that's when it's gonna. That's when I'm gonna crumble. So I just try to stay as humble as possible. And I mean, if people want to give me that title, then that's that. But I just try to just stay in my own lane and just stay as humble and just keep doing what, I, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. As an artist, you've had to deal with, you know, disappointments, maybe shows, maybe opportunities, a mm-hmm. couple of almosts. How, yeah. do you, how do you overcome? How do you deal with that type of stress? Um, yeah, no, it could definitely be stressful, especially as like a a teenager. And even when I was just like a little girl, just growing up, those type of disappointments, yeah, they were hard. But I don't know, it's just consistency. It was just always the consistency that always prevailed. That's what I always tell people. It's like, there's going to be a lot of doors closed, a lot of no's, a lot of disappointments, a lot of long nights, a lot of tears, like, but it was just the consistency and just the passion and the drive that I had that kept me going because it was like any door that closed I would feel a way about it whether I would cry or be disappointed and whether it be a month later two months later or a year later it was like a door that was 10 times bigger that was waiting for me so it was just I had to just you know understand that and once I understood the concept of that everything just became 10 times easier mm-hmm. now <laughs> speaking of your songs your song "Drip Ain't Free" and "Elite." Yeah, you switch yeah. up your flow. You you sort of singing a little bit, so almost back to your soca roots a little bit. Uh huh. But you, what I notice is that you still maintain storytelling, and that that's very yeah. rare in this era where yeah. people just want to give you a bounce and a vibe. Why, uh-huh. why why have you made the decision to continue telling stories through your raps? Um, I just think it's more relatable that way. Like song, there's dope songs, but then there's songs that are gonna resonate with people because of the storytelling behind it. Like I feel like with my music, that's like my identity. So I talk about the things that I go through. It's more like a therapeutic thing for me. So in my songs, that's probably like the only aspect of my life where like I might find myself venting or ranting, and it just comes out as a dope song. So songs like Dripping Free or Elite, when I'm just talking about whatever album going through even though it might be a good song or like a positive song not a sad song i'm still going to talk about things i was experiencing and my fans relate to it because these are things that everybody goes through everybody goes through heartbreak everybody goes through fun times bad times everybody has those times where they just want to be cocky and you know just flex on their haters or whatever so i don't know it's just more relatable that way to me like it resonates with people more Mm -hmm. who are some of the artists within your peer group or around your age uh, that you yeah. listen to? Um, I listen to like Roddy, J.I. Um, me and little TJ, we chop it up sometimes. Uh, Fabio, Probably those, yeah. So you were working pretty much as all, well, I was going to say all your life, but especially during your teenage years. 
And then that thing happened. You got signed. Yeah. Tell us about the process of of um, meeting your label or even deciding on the label. How did that mm-hmm. whole thing uh, come into being? Yeah, well, um, they reached out to my management and we were just speaking and we just liked what we were hearing. We liked the, the opportunity. It was a really close knit and it felt like a family environment where they would like actually pay attention because sometimes artists get signed and then they just get lost in the sauce. Like, And there was a label where I just felt like I would be paid attention to and they've been doing that thus far i've had no complaints um and you know they really just genuinely care about me and want to see the best for me so yeah I'm, I'm definitely happy with the decision that we made and i'm super excited and um we saw we're gonna have like a, a party and everything where we could announce publicly like the deal and everything so that's exciting and um yeah i'm, I'm just blessed to be in the position that i'm in now because mm-hmm. I used to dream of this type of things a couple of years ago. So, Of course. Are you allowed to say your label or no? I mean, I can't say the specific name. I could say I'm under Universal. Okay. But the specific label, um, the announcement is coming soon in a couple weeks. Okay. So we definitely look forward to that. Yeah. Young Devin, if you were not rapping, what would you be doing for a living? I would probably be a lawyer. I always used to say growing up I wanted to be a lawyer because I'm good at debating. So I probably would say I'm a, I would be a lawyer. I could see that. I've got a couple of fun random questions for you here. What's your favorite Trini food? Bacon shark. Bacon shark, your favorite Trini dish. Your favorite American dish? Um, chicken wings. Chicken wings. What kind of sauce? Hmm. Buffalo. Ah, like it's spicy. Interesting. Yeah. What is your favorite soca song? Oh my god, that's hard. Ah. So favorite soca song? Like that's hard. You know how much give me, soca comes give me out three. Give me give me three. Okay. I like oh my gosh. Okay, I like Patrice, like your hot. I like Dear Promoter and a third one it would have to be a lyrical song mm. just by default of course of course yeah who are some of the artists that you're that you're close to in lyrical Michelle, patrice roberts nadia Botson, voice um yeah like i'm close to all of them because it's like they all see me grow up so right right yeah what is your favorite well again give me three of your top uh favorite hip-hop songs um, X Factor by Lauren Hill, um, Shanghai by Nicki Minaj, and Sky's the Limit by Biggie. Ooh, good choices. Good yeah. choices, good choices. A day on Maracas Beach or a day on at Coney Island? Nah, I almost joined in Maracas, I'm not gonna lie, so I'm gonna have to say Coney Island. Oh! <laughs> For life almost died. Like, you know. <laughs> So Maracas, you did not have a good experience at Maracas. Did not have a good experience at Maracas at all. Oh no! Oh no! But you know what? There's always those Anguilla beaches that you love so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your favorite Nicki Minaj song? Um, I would just I would have to say Shanghai, Shanghai. given the fact that that's the song that made me want to rap. So that song changed my life. So I'm gonna say Shanghai. Young Devin, what's next for you? Um, next up, I'm dropping a song um called "Secret." My fans been begging me for it. Um, and yeah, just uh 
more singles. The EP is coming this summer. It's been a long time coming, so I can't wait to drop a project for my fans. And yeah, it's going up this year, basically. Do you have a date for your EP or no? I do, but I can't announce it yet. Okay. Because right now we just focus on secrets. So that's what's coming next. Understandable. Understandable. What advice do you have for younger artists? Um, I would just say, like I was saying earlier, to just be consistent. Because when you first start something, people are not really going to believe in you. And it's not even really your fault. It's just that not everybody's a visionary. Like, I always tell people, some people, they're going to look at a pile of sticks and they're just going to see it as a pile of sticks while other people might look at those pile of sticks and think I could make a house with those sticks. So not everybody is a visionary. So you can't really be mad for not getting the initial support that you think you're going to get. So you just got to be consistent. Sometimes you people got to see the consistency and see your seriousness before they really start believing in you. And on top of that, if it's something that you really want to do and it's your passion, you're going to continue to do it no matter what gets in the way. So consistency is key. Just be consistent, be humble, and be true to yourself and you're going to be good. How about on the business tip? What are some of the things that, you know, you've seen younger artists sort of mess up on business-wise that you would advise, you know, that they pay attention to? Um, Just be smart. Don't be so naive or gullible. And just don't have such high hopes. Like, set your expectations really low. Set your expectations high for yourself but for other people low because it's a lot of industry people who they can't really they're not really who they say they are or they can't really pull the type of strings that they might perceive themselves to be able to do so just set your expectations really low be smart don't be naive and don't let anybody try to change you or mold you into something that you know you're not like if it don't feel morally right to you then don't do it so young Devin, many female artists get criticized especially nowadays for yeah. being scantily clad in their videos and on Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. What do you say to that criticism? Well, well, for one, I don't understand why females get criticized because men talk about sex just as much as women do. It's just that women are sexual, more sexual beings, so it shows more. But men literally talk about the same things as women. Um, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Like, I don't, I don't knock anybody for doing that. I just think that there's a lane for everybody, so... I don't feel like, I just, me personally, I just feel like if you don't talk about sex and that's not what you want to talk about, don't let the industry try to change you and mold you into talking about that. If that's something that you know you want to talk about and that's the image you want to put out there, then do it. Like, be, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Everybody has a lane. If that's how you want to empower yourself, then I don't knock it, you know? There's a lane for everybody. There's topics for everybody. There's a niche for everybody, so... I just think because we're females, people just always try to put an extra stigma on it. But, you know, just do whatever you feel comfortable. You know, like I wouldn't ever advise any woman to be sexual and talk about sex if that's not something they're naturally comfortable with. Who are some of your dream collaborations? Um, Definitely Roddy, Lauren Hill, um, Nikki, and Meek and Rihanna. Ooh. I could, I, you know, I could see all of those. That's the interesting thing. Yeah. I could see you with all of those. What is the best advice about your career that someone's given to you? Um, the best business advice. Not necessarily business, but just advice from another artist or another oh, manager. Well, I remember when I had my first, first, very first concert, like my own headlining concert, Marshall sent me this long, long, long message 
and you know in the message it was a prayer and he was just basically giving me advice of what to do before i go on stage he was telling me don't be nervous these people came out here to see you so you know don't be nervous just you're he basically was telling me like you're a you're a light you're an energy and your job as an artist is to transfer that energy onto other people and he was basically like you know what before you go on stage just take some time for yourself don't be around people and just really hone in on that energy because when you walk out on stage it's time to show it and when i when i did that it really worked and afterwards i really used to start doing that and i to this day i still do that like before i go on stage like five to ten minutes before i go on stage i you know step away from everybody and i just be by myself and i just really hone in and i pray and i meditate right before i go on stage and it really just works every single time so i really appreciate that because i still do it to this day mm. so spirituality and, and energy is very important to you yeah it's, it's it's very important to me I'm i'm definitely like a full believer of god like i don't play about god and I'm, I don't play about like my spirituality and different things of the sort. So yeah, absolutely. Mm, nice, nice, nice. What keeps you driven? Um, I would definitely say my accomplishments and like my surroundings. Like, I, it's like it's like yin and yang. It's like my accomplishments keep me driven because it's like look how far you came and you nowhere near where you want to be yet. And then it's like the other half is there's so much more that you could do and you're not happy or content where you are right now. So those two things keep me pushing every single day. Love it. Love it. Devin, what's next? I know you answered, you said the, uh, the EP is coming, but can you just give us a hint of any future plans after the EP, after those videos? Yeah. After, after the EP, I can say, so I can say I'm dropping two projects this year. I can give that tea. Um, so that's going to be fun. You pulling that DMX, huh? Yeah, I'm dropping two projects. So I'm excited for that because I already finished the first one. I'm working on the second one right now. And that one is almost done too. So that's going to be fire. The features, everything, the videos. It's just going to be on the next level this year. And I'm really excited for people to see because I work really hard behind the scenes. And so I'm excited for people to see all the hard work and everything that I've been doing and how it's going to play out. Are you going to have any Caribbean features on, on any of your projects? Nah, maybe. I can't spill oh, all the tea. Boy. But maybe. So, Devin, this is a segment of the interview that I like to call The Planet is Yours. I strap on my spacesuit and I go out into the atmosphere and I leave you on the planet alone. Tell the people whatever it is you want to tell the people. Um, I just want to say thank you guys for supporting me over the years since I was eight or if you just tuned in when I was 16. I just want to appreciate everybody. Stay tuned. Like I said, it's going to be on another level this year. The songs, just the videos, everything. It's going to just be super dope. And I can't wait for people to see it. So, yeah. Awesome. Now, tell us how we can follow you, how we can get in contact with you. Um, You can follow me on all social media platforms at Young Devin, Y-O-U-N-G-D-E-V-Y-N. On Twitter, it's Young Devin 1. Um, my website is also YoungDevinMusic.com. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, Devin, what is the name? Just just one last time, what is the name of your project so that people can look out for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the name of the project is Baby Goat. My fans have been calling me that since forever. So, I just decided when it came to doing the title to just name it that, Baby Goat. It's like a, it's like that's what they called me. And so, and I really treat my fans like my family. So, I just feel like this is like a, 
my gift to them for supporting me over the years. Kind of uh, all happened. You're a Capricorn, aren't you? Yeah, I am a Capricorn, and our zodiac animal is a goat too. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. It kind of fits. Yeah, so it, it fell in line. Fell right in line. Ladies and gentlemen, the future queen of hip-hop. Period. Young Devin, thank you so much for joining me here on Planet 30. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet 30. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com slash Planet30. Our email address is onplanet30 at gmail.com. That's O-N-P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y at gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30, visit our website, planet30.com. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y dot com. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30.